0: look at that. I have all this room. I'm going to, like, run around. (laughs) So I want to talk to you about repetition, right? Think about if you have children or think back to when you were a small child, the phrase, Mommy, Daddy, read it again. Mommy, Daddy, read it again. I can't tell you how many times I read Salty the Seagull to my boys, right? Over and over again. Or how about the, Gil and I were talking about maybe trying a new restaurant as we were driving here this morning. And then I was like, uh, no, 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 no. That's like too scary. We're gonna like we're gonna go back to the same. We're gonna go back to the same place that I know and I love, and just we have um, just that that favorite that favorite place. Um, or how about like a movie that you watch over and over and over again, right? And you know the lines from the movie. Like in my twisted brain, when somebody says, what's your name, I don't think Tom K, I think my name is Maximus Decimus Murtius. I'm Commander of the Armies of the North, General of the (laughs) Felix, I am a servant of the true Emperor, Marcus Aurelius, I am a father of a murdered son, husband of a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. (laughs) You watch something enough, something is that important to you, right? I think as twisted as that part is, I think that that comes from God, right? The Bible tells us we're created in the image of God. And when we look at Scripture, we see over and over and over again, we see phrases and themes and ideas repeated. And that's what I want to I wanna talk to you guys about this morning, this phrase that if you've been with us for the book of Genesis, that for the first 35 chapters got repeated a couple of times. Right, so we're going um, to go to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, and created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. It's highlighted in yellow. I mean, it's important. Pay attention. (laughs) Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over every living creature that moves on the ground. All right. So that phrase, right? Be fruitful and increase in number. We see that in Genesis chapter 1. We see it again in Genesis chapter 9 from God to Noah. We see it again in Genesis chapter 35 from God to Jacob. Be fruitful and increase in number. Now, that does not mean everybody has to get married and have children, right? That would mean people like Jesus and the Apostle Paul would be ruled out, they would not have fulfilled God's purposes for them, right? Um, And a a very important tangent side note here, right? In Christianity, singleness is equally a high calling as is marriage, right? The point of Christianity is not to get married and have kids. The point of Christianity is a relationship with Jesus A relationship that causes you to turn to him that you move in and through and with him and for him that's the point of Christianity now can we be fruitful and increase the number through reproduction sure absolutely 100% but um, as one scholar says okay cool Uh, to reproduce godly offspring means that we all must be involved in the work of sharing God's love with others the work of bringing life with us wherever we go, right? That's what we want to do. We want to bring life with us wherever we go. That's how we be fruitful and increase the in number. Some of your translations might say, "be fruitful and multiply." So, God is the only one who can bring life from nothing. He's the only one who can bring life from death. So, what what is our part in that? What are how do we participate in this? As in all things, it's through following Jesus, right? It's Jesus example that we follow. And around here we use the terms bank. can you go to the next slide, We use the terms look up, lean in and reach out. Look up, lean in and reach out. And so when it comes to looking up, I'm back on, that's amazing. When it comes to looking up, it means we lay down our life to Jesus. This is a really hard thing for us to do. It means we surrender. We surrender to Jesus. Surrendering means that we finally come to the end of ourselves. We come to a point where we say, I can't fix everything. I can't find everything. I can't turn back the hands of time nor can i look into the future and know what's going to happen i cannot always know what's best for me and for those around me that i love and i care about that if we just stopped right there that would be like fatalism that would be terrible but it's not and i think on the one hand it's worship right because we are recognizing and responding to the limits that God places upon us. Those are all his job. They're not our job. The other reason why it's not fatalist, fatalism is because Jesus can do those things. Jesus can fix everything. He can find everything. He operates outside of time. And he does know what's best. He has the power and the resources and, and, and and the desire, the desire to move and act on our behalf. Right? So when we get to a point when we can surrender to Jesus, when we can surrender to Jesus, what happens? Right? When we recognize the fact that we can't fix everything, but Jesus can, that he can and will do things that we can, that gives us hope. And when we live lives filled with hope, we bring hope to those around us. When, when we come to a point where we realize that Jesus is glad to be with us, even at our worst, even when we're the cause of the worst, that that brings uh, uh, an understanding of uh, of human potential and maturity that is so desperately void in our society right now. When we come to the point when we realize that Jesus wants us to help, wants to help us look into our past, do the hard work of identifying the stuff in the past that holds us back, we then have freedom to boldly, boldly, boldly move into the future, right? A future free, that freedom is free from things like dysfunction and addiction and overwhelming self-criticism. And when we when we surrender, when we lay down our lives to Jesus, when we realize that it's looking up to him that everything is found, we can look into an unknown future because in that unknown future, there is a noble Jesus who's already there and he's waiting for us and he wants us to be with him. That's how we look up. We surrender. We lay down our lives to Jesus. How do we lean in and reach out? Right. We lay down our lives for others. We lay down our lives to Jesus to look up, And to lean in and reach out, we lay down our lives for others. And I want to suggest to you two different ways that we can do that. Well, one way how and the other way what? When we follow Jesus' agenda, when His agenda is what sets our agenda for everything, it opens up the possibility to relationships that might not have been there, that might have been thwarted, that might have been... Inhibited. Modern American Christianity has this so, so backwards. We let everything else inform our faith. That should be the other way around. Our faith in Jesus should inform our politics. Our faith in Jesus should inform our economics. Our faith in Jesus should inform, inform how we view race and class and ethnicity and success and power. When we follow Jesus' agenda, amazing amazing things happen when we follow him in the way what he calls us to do how he calls us to do it right we um, we're free to learn from people with whom we might disagree right when when we do things according to Jesus agenda we defy all those negative expectations that people have of Christians, where when we defy those expectations, we open up the door to life-giving relationships, whether it's somebody who might be from a different tribe of Christianity, or it might be from somebody who is on the other side of the world and thinks and believes and acts totally differently. Maybe somebody lives across the street and thinks and acts and believes totally differently. But it's not just following Jesus' agenda. Right? It's not. It's going about things in Jesus' way. When we go out into the world, as our relationship with Jesus grows, the more time that we spend with Him, we should look and act and sound like Jesus. When people see us, they should see a reflection of Jesus. Right? And Jesus. Agenda in Jesus's way, right? That's how we lean in, and that's how we reach out. We can bring life to those around us. Now, this this idea of um, of, of looking like Jesus and acting like it right, sounds like a really tall order, and and really difficult to do. It's through His power. It's only through His power that we can do that. These references, you. Um, can you put the next slide up? There we go. These references, I would encourage you to write them <clears> down, <throat> down, take a picture of them, whatever. These are the life, this is the life in Jesus, with Jesus, for Jesus. Matthew 5-7 through is the Sermon on the Mount. Right. If you didn't ever read anything else in the Bible ever again, I'm not telling you to do that, I'm just saying, if hypothetically you didn't, you could spend a lifetime on Matthew 5-7. through and learning about Jesus and the way he thinks, and what he thinks is important. And then as we look at, at the, um, the other verses, in Colossians, right, and Ephesians, and the fruit of the Spirit listed in, listed in, in Galatians, what it looks like when we surrender to Jesus. I want to read, um, I'm just going to read a passage from the, from the book of Romans. This is Romans chapter 12, I'm not going to comment on it, it's pretty, um, it's pretty self-explanatory about what following Jesus' agenda and Jesus' way looks like. This is Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Listen to this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written... It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing, in doing this, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not overcome do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Look up, leaning, reach out. There is a directionality to that. Right? If, we try to do, if we try to lean in and reach out without being attached to Jesus, it is exhausting. It would feel like nothing more than dreary, joyless, obligatory religion. But if we attach ourselves to Jesus, right? if we pursue this relationship which we are hardwired for, which we were created for, the relationship between Jesus and his children, between you and I, is like that of a newborn and its mother. Right? A newborn will not make it without its mother. We need that connection to Jesus. And out of the overflow of that relationship, right? we start by looking up. Out of the overflow of looking up, out of the overflow that comes from surrendering our lives to Jesus, then we can lean in and reach out joyfully. We can be glad to be with people who might disagree with us. We might be glad to be with our children who are having a bad day. Our children might be glad to be with us when we're having a bad day. <clears throat> there is the directionality, right? We start with up. We look to God for everything, and then he fills us. And we come together as the family of God, as brothers and sisters. And we encourage one another and we support one another and we challenge one another. And then we go out to the world. If we stop right there, we stunt our growth. There is only so much that you you can take in. Right? I've given you guys the analogy of a sponge before, right? A sponge is once a sponge is full, it's useless. A sponge has to get wrung out in order to be filled up again. Right, so that's the call on us To take that love that we receive from God That we share with each other And we take it and we go out into the world That's the way the early church did it There was this pattern of scatter and gather It's the way Jesus did it It's the way he, the disciples did it It's the way the early church did it Jesus would start and he'd spend time with his father He'd go away to a lonely solitary places And spend time with his father He'd collect up his, his people right, The men and women who were following him Who were closest to him And he'd say, here's what we're going to do. And they would go out and they would scatter. They would separate from each other for a time to bring God's love and the news of his kingdom to where it was sorely needed, to those poor in resources, poor in spirit. And then they would come back together and they would celebrate. And they would ask questions. And they would encourage each other and they'd share. And they'd hear from God again and then they'd go back out. Think about, we spent almost a year In the book of Acts that's what happened in the book of Acts they were all together in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they did amazing things and they were filled up and they shared with each other they were radically committed to each other this passionate pursuit of Jesus this radical commitment to one another and then they courageously went out there was a persecution that broke out right so they were forcefully scattered However, they were also super, super intentional about creating these centers of Jesus followers out away from Jerusalem, out away from Antioch, right? Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. They went out. Paul would plant the church and then he would go out and he would come back and he would celebrate with them. There is a rhythm to what we're doing. This is what we are doing right now. We are gathered together to celebrate. We are gathered together to worship God, to glorify Him, to support one another, to challenge one another, to encourage each other so that we might go back out. We might go back to our locations. We might go back to our houses. We might go back to our jobs, back to online and bring God's love with us. And then you know what? On Christmas Eve, we're going to gather back up again and we're gonna celebrate, and we're gonna have a great time worshiping Jesus. And then, at the end of January, we're gonna gather back up again, and we're gonna celebrate. And then at Easter, we're gonna gather back up again, and we're gonna celebrate. Each time, we're going out, and we're bringing God's grace, and mercy, and love, and forgiveness. This is super intentional, what we're doing. And this feels different, and it should. This should be a bigger celebration. Right? And we go out and we do our thing and, we, and we, we love people that are hard to love because Jesus loves us when we're hard to love. And then we come back together and we go out and we do it again. We come back together and we go out and we do it again. The short answer is how do we bring life with us wherever we go? We lay, lay down our lives to Jesus for others. We follow the directionality of up, in, and out. But here's the thing: the great paradox, the great paradox of Christianity, is this: that in order to find the life that is truly life, we have to lay down our lives first. Ben, you guys can come back up. We're gonna um, we're gonna finish our time by celebrating communion. If you guys didn't get the the little cup with the bread built back in, put your hand up and our ushers will bring it by you. But we think about this idea of laying down our lives and communion is a memorial meal. Jesus asks us to remember, to remember him, but specifically remember how he laid down his life for us so that we might be in relationship with him. He laid down His life to take the punishment that we deserve and to conquer evil, all of it, once and for all. And so when we share this community meal together, that's what we do.